Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, we are discussing faith alone and how this has become the radical position within the evangelical Christian world, to believe that God justifies and saves sinners by faith alone. Uh, We often need to add something to that. Oh, yes, but we must have works, or we must demonstrate this, or we must give evidence of our faith. We are going to talk about how we have to protect this doctrine and not allow clutter to be added to it, and really how our joy and hope and even our obedience comes from properly understanding the doctrine of sola fide. We hope you enjoy. Hey guys, as a quick reminder, if you'd like to join Theocast and helping other people find rest in Christ, a simple way of doing that is simply by leaving us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also leave reviews on all of our books. They're available at Amazon. And if you haven't started following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook yet, that's a great way to take our content and then share it with your friends and family. To learn more about how to support Theocast, simply visit theocast.org slash give. Welcome to Theocast encouraging weary pilgrims to rest in Christ. Conversations about the Christian life from a Reformed perspective. Today, around the microphones from Asheville, North Carolina, is Pastor Justin Perdue of Covenant Baptist Church and myself, Pastor of Grace Reformed Church in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Jimmy Bueller is faithfully teaching children about the Bible at his job as a bivocational pastor. Jimmy is the pastor of Christ Community Church in Wilmer, Minnesota, He'll be back with us next week. Justin, it's good to talk to you, my friend. It was fun uh, catching up this morning. Yeah, always good to talk to you, bro. I appreciate yeah. the uh, the friendship that we have and the relationships that we have, the three of us here at Theocast. We yeah. love on each other sometimes, along with the other elders of our churches. We pastor each other, and we're able to to talk about really good and exciting things and also things that are hard. And I, yeah. I pray for all of our listeners out there that you have relationships like this. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to think about what uh, any, any new updates coming. Uh, actually, Theocast has got a lot of new things coming. Being, being pleased, being prayer for our ministry. One of, the, one of the things we've been doing for a while is limping around what I call in a 1995 Ford F-150 with two cylinders. Uh, that's yeah. our. That's a great way to describe our website. <laughs> yeah, it's suboptimal, <laughs> and uh, it's been patched and repatched. And you guys, as listeners and as members, are the kindest and most patient and gracious listeners of podcast industry in the world. And we dare know we this say it true. is evidence. Dare we say it is evidence of the Spirit's work in you. Yes, and we do not, we, we are with you, and we want a better platform. So just be in prayer. We're working on trying to improve our website so that we can handle uh, more content and more people, and we can reach more people, uh, not only in the United States, but around the world. So stay tuned, yeah. be in prayer, wanna, and uh, we're going to need your support as well to, to pull this off. But it's, it's how yeah, we reach one of the people. First I mean, things, technically, that's, that's how you host a podcast is on a website. It's so true. In in today's day, the web platform is is critical, even for a local church, let alone yeah. a, a ministry that is a media ministry. So I remember one of the yeah. first things that I said to you, John, when we were talking a little while ago now about me potentially coming on Theocast, you were asking for feedback on stuff. And I was like, bro, you got to have a better <laughs> website. It's it's difficult to navigate this thing. Um, yeah. So we we see it. You know, A lot of times I think people, this is not true of our listeners, but I don't, I don't think, but I think sometimes people see stuff, whether it's in the church or with a ministry like Theocast, and they're like, man, this is a problem. And, and the assumption sometimes is that the leaders don't realize it. And of course, there are things that leaders don't realize because we're fallible. But a lot of times, leaders realize it and are working behind the scenes to get it rectified and fixed. And it just takes time. So that's the yeah. case with the website here at Theocast. <laughs> so thanks for your patience. I know well, we haven't done a you... formal... Go ahead. No, I was going to say there are there are people who have been emailing us. We get emails and we, we appreciate them, and we do our best to sure. respond to all of them. Uh, and voicemails, so keep sending in the voicemails. We will use yeah. those. Um, we've gotten several recently. Phone numbers at the bottom of the website. Anyways, um, we uh, 
a lot of you don't actually understand where Theocast came from uh, because those mm-hmm. episodes are in the vault. But it was started sure. with three three pastors who have no experience in web development or even podcasting. And we found uh, one of our church members to build us a, a website and it was just some simple WordPress website. And we just started yeah. blogging. It actually started as a blog, believe, believe it or not. It was called Musings of Grace. And then we decided to add a podcast. And, mm. and then before you know it, you know, it, Basically, we uh, we keep replacing tires and pistons and axles, but it's time it's time for a new, a new it's vehicle. time for a new vehicle. That's right. <laughs> yeah, some pros. We need some professionals to take over at this point. <laughs> sure. So, well, I'm, anyway, we haven't fun, done a fun stuff, a cultural update yet. I think yeah, this will give away a little bit as far as a time signature. But we would be probably remiss if we didn't mention. A, a pretty significant event that happened this weekend, at least for many people yeah. in America. Uh, and that's the yeah. the sudden and, and tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, along yeah. with some of the other individuals on that, on that helicopter, who obviously none of us are, are familiar with the same way we are Kobe, just because he was a famous basketball player and a, a legend hall of famer, you know, a generational talent and was snatched away seemingly, you know, in the prime of his life and, John, you and I were talking a little bit before we hit record about how fragile life is, which is obviously true. I mean, it's empirically verifiable. Look around. You, none of us are promised another minute, let alone another day or another few decades. And you just never know when something's going to happen that will change your life forever or the lives of people that you love for the rest of their days. And so I think for us, what, what that does is it, it stirs us up to think about what's most important and not just in terms of, of life on earth and relationships though that, that does matter, but what's, what's of most eternally, you know, significant value. And, and so we're, we're going to have a conversation today. I'm going to kick it over to you in just a minute in terms of uh, the, the topic to frame it for everybody. But in thinking about the Christian life and life on this planet, we're going to be discussing things today that are of utmost importance in terms of faith in Christ and the implications of that. And, and loving others and how that's related. And um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a sobering reality. I think for many, you know, to, to see what happened with Kobe and his daughter and um, has forced many to reflect on, on what matters most. And I know I have been thinking about that in recent days and it's been a heavy few days in my life in more ways than one. And, and I know that's true for you, brother. And so these two guys on the microphone today are not going to be talking about faith and love and things like that from a perspective of, strength or a perspective of having it all together, but we are fellow strugglers and weak and fragile, just like everybody else. And we hope this conversation is encouraging for, for other people Amen. who are, who are struggling alongside. So, yeah. Yeah. I think just to speak on the loss of Kobe and, and any really, anytime we lose someone of, uh, that's of notoriety, the, the reason why it's so hard is because we actually can relate to them and we, we have exactly. a history with them and because memories associated with them. Yeah. So my wife and I were at, at dinner or at lunch when we got the news, we we're sitting at a restaurant and, um, you know, I said to her, I said, you, you know, it's crazy is that there's probably thousands of people in America that have died today from all kinds of reasons. Right. Yeah. But what makes this hard is that, you don't know the names of those people. And so you kind of just go about your day because death is Mm. normal. Like death is part of life at that moment. But when you lose someone, yeah. yeah. But when you lose someone like a relative or someone that you know, that you, that you relate to, or if it's spent time, you know, you've invested time into you, it, it hits you a little bit harder because now death is that much closer to you and life is that much fragile. Yeah. I guarantee you Kobe didn't own a very inexpensive uh, helicopter and he, his pilot was probably uh, very well experienced in what he was doing. In other words, he did sure. not wonder if his life was in danger when he stepped into that helicopter and, and now his life is gone. And, th- and that's just to show you that it doesn't matter how much money you have or, or mm. how much 
how much you try and protect yourself, life is really fragile and there's no guaranteed. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's no guarantee. And it's not to scare people as a matter of, it shouldn't, no. it's not a, it's, but it, it is a sobering reality to say, Hey, listen, yeah. what time you do have life, we should really, we should really value it and really be con, con, considerate of how we use our time wisely. And um, anyways, I, I actually a, had the opportunity to meet Kobe. Yeah. Um, you back when, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it appropriate to put it on social media, but um, I met Kobe when I was in seminary and a really great, really nice guy. Um, he actually yeah. asked me if I wanted the photo. I didn't ask him, which kind of blew my mind. I was like, sure, sure. I'll, <laughs> if you're offering. And then he's like six, what, six, six, seven. He's really six, tall. six, six, seven. Yeah. 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 And so if you look at the photo, he's 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 like eye level with me. Because he com- he literally squatted down to take a photo with me, which I then looked at yeah. him and laughed. He he got a kick out of it. He thought it was funny. I was like, "Yeah, thanks for yeah. making the short white guy feel tall. I appreciate that." That's funny. <laughs> well, it what we can say about it. You're exactly right in everything that you've said, John. I agree with you completely. Is that it's a it is sobering and it is a perspective giving kind of event. And yeah. everybody slows down. They take note. They assess their lives. They assess their value system. And so it, it can be really useful for us as human beings to to, yeah. to really wrestle with something like the death of a, a very famous person that, that touches many people in, in so many ways. And I think I think it's a great uh, great kind of fodder for our conversation today, man, because we we understand the backdrop, you know, of of the fragility of life and the reality of of suffering and the uncertainty that comes in a fallen world like we live in. And so the realities of Christ and the gospel are of utmost importance for, for us. So why don't you tell everybody what we're going to talk about today? One of the things that Theocast really started on when we started four years ago was trying to pull the clutter off of what we would say the essentials of Christianity. What, what the Reformation, and this is, you know, Theocast really does rely heavily on a reformed perspective. Uh, we, re- we rely heavily on reformed confessions to help uh, clarify what is priority for the Christian, and what I would say is secondary and tertiary, or that you know levels one, two, and three. What is what is the most right. important? And as as we've done this over the years, we have heard from many of you, and the the the, the phrase we always hear is, "Man, you're putting words to my thoughts. You're you're saying what I'm thinking," because. We hear the glorious gospel mm. that God saves sinners by grace alone, and then we hear the clutter that's put on top of it, and then there's yeah. confusion, and so there's this fog where there should be clarity, and then mm. there's uneasy where there should be rest, and there is uh, anxiety where there should be joy. Now, sure, at Theocast, what we're trying to do is come in and remove those clutters now that doesn't the promise is not we're going to remove all anxiety or all pain and suffering but when it comes around your relationship to Jesus Christ which is the ultimate joy and satisfaction we can have uh, we do want to offer rest and hope there and one of the things that we started out in the beginning saying that we were going to emphasize is the priority is one's faith alone in Jesus Christ and clarifying what does yeah. that mean and what that does not mean. You know, in the reform, for those of you that are maybe new to reform theology or new to the podcast, it's a phrase that's often used called sola fide, faith alone. And uh, so today, that's what we are going to spend a little bit more time kind of going back to the roots of Theocast mm-hmm. and adding some additional thoughts. You know, four years yeah. down the road, we, we've been able to be exposed to more ministries, have conversations with people from other denominations. And in that, we have uh, attracted even more, I think, broader listenership than we've ever had before. Sure. And the, the more listeners that we bring in, we want to hold true to our mission, which is leading people to rest in Christ. And the way in which you do that is to really mm-hmm. firm up the foundation of faith alone. So that's, I yeah. think that would be the best way to intro the episode today. Sure. Yeah, so we're going to talk about sola fide, define it a little bit. Consider why it matters for us as human beings in a fallen world, why it matters in the church. And then we may spend a little bit of time talking about why it is that we guard it the way that we do and, and seek to clarify it the way that we do. So to, to kick us off, 
in trying to think about what sola fide, faith alone, means, many who are listening to the podcast will be familiar with a, a formula, and that formula is not a bad thing. Formula is a good thing, that we are right. saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So our our salvation, as we understand it biblically, and this is you know, the, the cry of the reformers in the Reformation, is that we are saved by the grace of God alone, meaning it's God's grace, it's His unmerited favor, not any kind of merit that we bring. There's not, nothing inherent in us, there's nothing that we do you know, that can, can produce salvation. It is grounded in, the bottom of it is the grace of God. And then we are saved by the grace of God through faith. So faith is the means, it's the vehicle through which, we're going to talk about Jesus in a minute, but through which the merits of Christ are applied to us, you know, his, his righteousness, his death, all of those things are applied to us through faith alone, meaning faith as opposed to works, as opposed to effort. So we are saying that people, through faith, apart from anything that they have done, are doing, or could ever do, are, are saved in Christ alone, meaning that Jesus is sufficient. What Christ has accomplished is complete. It is total. There's nothing that needs to be added to it. All of the righteousness that we could ever need, all of the atonement, all of the satisfaction, all of the holiness, everything that we could ever need in order to be reconciled to God and stand before him and live with him forever has been given to us by faith you know, because Jesus has done it for us. And so sola fide is inextricably linked not only to the grace of God, but it's also inextricably linked to the sufficiency of the work of Jesus. And so you can't, you can't pull those things apart. And, and so that's a, a few thoughts from me, John, on, on where we start with this. It is, it's the, it is the heart of the gospel. I, let me just say that before I kick it back over to you. What is sola yeah. fide? It's the heart of the gospel message that Christ right. has done this Something has happened in time and space. Christianity is utterly unique in the scope of world religions and that it is the only religion based upon news. Something happened, and now there's nothing left to be done, but there is a person to be trusted, a, a, a one, a person to look to, to trust, to rest in, to hope in, to place our faith in, and his name is Jesus Christ. And when people place their faith in Jesus, all is well, now and forever. Right, that's the that's the good news. Yeah, amen, amen, man. I'm already encouraged. I'm ready for the day. I needed that. <laughs> I needed that gospel, brother. So do I, my friend. So do I. <laughs> I was telling my wife Sunday. Uh, I we as elders we take rotations in uh, giving our confession and giving communion, and I love when the elders do that because it is it's hard to explain but as someone who preaches every sunday i can't wait to have someone else preach the gospel to me and give yeah, me the table because it's not my own thoughts it's not my own words and the power resides in the means which is the preached word and the table so anyways thank you mm-hmm. for encouraging me there even though we're not yeah. in church i appreciate the encouragement i will say uh, this we, there was um yeah <laughs> there was a graphic given on uh, our Facebook page, for those of you that don't know, we have a Facebook group. Uh, if you want to ask questions and just be encouraged and have some lively discussion, uh, it, the there was a graphic put up there, and I can't remember who the who the person was that was saying this, but the the thought behind it is the heart of the gospel is basically life in the kingdom now. And what I understand what he was trying to get at is that. What the gospel really is about is how do you live and transform life while while you're here on this earth, and that's actually not good news. Um, that's that sounds more like a, a plan of action of what one should be doing, not of what what was done for them. So when we talk about faith alone, I, I think one of the things that Justin and I would love for to to add to some clarity that you added or that you had brought up, we have to talk about what we're putting our faith in. And I have seen people who emphasize faith alone in their preaching from anywhere from the independent fundamental Baptist world, the Southern Baptist world, the the Bible churches, the non-denominational churches, uh, all the way up even to our Reformed, those who claim to have Reformed backgrounds. They all say things like faith alone, sola fide, 
but when when they say it, I, I always have to ask for clarification because what are you putting your faith in? I mean, we've even heard like you've watched the movie, the sports movies, or someone just you know war or whatever, and they say just have faith, right? Just just believe. And what they mean is like have faith in like they have. What they're saying is have faith in a positive outcome that there will be a positive outcome. <laughs> Just believe in either it's the system sure. or in hard effort or right. whatever it is that you're putting your faith in. And this or, actually bleeds into Christianity. Go ahead. Sure. Or sometimes it sounds as though faith itself is salvific. And, and it absolutely yeah. is not. Yeah. So right. we, we often are very clear about faith in and of itself saves nobody. The object yeah. of our faith, namely Jesus, is the one who saves. and. And he is the one in whom we're placing our trust. But continue. That's right. Yeah, so to say faith alone, we aren't saying you, you have to have faith. If you, have, if you believe, no. then you are justified. Uh, no, it's very clear. There, the Jews to whom God, the Son, Jesus is speaking to, had faith. They just didn't have faith in him. And sure. so Jesus is like, look, unless you come to me and your faith is in me, then you have no hope because right. I am the way to the Father. You cannot come to the Father unless you come through me. So faith That's has right. an object, and that object is Jesus. So just to simply say faith, the danger, the reason why it, it seems so technical and we're, we're trying to split hairs is that it is. it has happened where people have faith in their faith, meaning yeah. I know I'm a Christian because I believe. That is not why you're a Christian. No, no. So I, I, I want to jump in on this real quick. The, one of the immediate questions that's asked when we start to talk about faith alone and, and we're saved by Jesus, the object of our faith, well, people will say, all right, I want to know I'm legit because at the end of the day, we, we always come back to this question of how do I know I'm, I'm legitimately in Christ? And, and people say, how much faith do I need? How, how much? And our answer, we always take great joy in telling people any, you need right. any amount of faith. First of all, it didn't come from you in the first place. It's a gift of God. The Bible's very clear about that. But then if you think about Jesus, when he will illustrate faith and, and describe faith even to his disciples, one of the famous ones that many will be familiar with is when he tells them that if they have faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed, they can move mountains. Right. We often get caught up on the moving mountains part. And what does he mean by moving mountains and, and all this kind of stuff? But we skip over the part where he's not saying tremendous faith will move mountains. He says the tiniest amount will, will move mountains, right? And so to, to start to quantify faith or even to try to put qualitative descriptors on faith undermines sola fide. We, we can't emphasize that enough. The adjectives, I mean, this has been said before, adjectives and descriptive words are the enemy of the gospel. Right. Like when we start putting words like sincere, authentic, real, whatever, M pick your modifier. Yeah, pick your modifier. You know, when we're describing <laughs> faith, sincere faith, real faith, saving faith, like when we start doing that stuff, it, we are undermining sola fide and the believer's confidence in Christ. When we say faith alone, we mean any amount of trust in Christ. I am looking outside of myself, away from my own sin, certainly, but away from my own notions of my own goodness and merit. And I am placing all of my hope and confidence and trust in Christ and what he's done. And if there's any of that going on in your life, then biblically speaking, you didn't produce that faith and you are in the Lord Jesus, you know, trusting him and not you. That's right. We are excited to announce that we have a new free ebook available at our website called Faith Versus Faithfulness, a primer on rest. And we, the host, put this together to explain the difference between emphasizing one's faith in Christ versus emphasizing one's faithfulness to Christ, and how one leads to rest and how the other often to a lack of assurance. 
And you can get this at theocast.org slash primer. And if you've been encouraged by what you've been hearing at Theocast, we'd ask you to help partner with us. You can do that by joining our Total Access membership. That's our monthly membership that gives you access to all of our material that we've produced over the last four years, or simply by donating to our ministry. You can do that by going to our website, theocast.org. We hope that you enjoy the rest of the conversation. And this is, uh, well, this, so I've had this conversation recently with a college student, and I have it often with new church members who come into our context, and this is new for them. They, they ask, well, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm saved. Like I, it's hard for me. And they really want to sure. lock this up. I, I want to know that I'm good with God. So how can I know that? And what they're expecting me to say is, well, here's a list, right? Mm. Is this true about yeah. you? Is this true about yeah. you? Are you doing this and are you doing this? And some of those lists are different. It depends on uh, your background and denomination. Some of those lists yeah. are, well, do you, do you desire to read your Bible? And are you going to church? And do you desire to pray? And are you, yeah. do you desire to do good works? And are you pursuing good works? Well, then that's the evidence of your faith. I mean, that's, let's just go to James, right, and talk about James. Then there are other people who are, they talk about, as you said, they mention lists that have to do with your affections, right? Are, are, are you loving God above all else? Are you excited about the things of God? And, and all of those are dangerous because you are finding your assurance in your faith yeah. actually is in you. Your faith is, is being placed in you now. Yeah. It's not being yeah. placed in something outside of you, extra nos, meaning outside of a Latin phrase that is right. extremely helpful. Outside it is being you. placed yeah. internally. So your faith is taken off of Christ and then pushed on. So you are now in the spotlight. And the spotlight, when it examines and you are exposed by it, you should be worried about your assurance. You should yeah. find yourself in despair. And often people yeah. find themselves in despair because the yeah. spotlight's on them. So what I do is I move Jesus back into the spotlight and I said, okay, now mm. let's listen to what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus never points to you as a way in which that you are saved. His entire ministry was to illustrate that he alone saves, that yeah. he is what's called the Messiah Savior. He is the Savior. Behold the Lamb mm -hmm. of God who takes away the sins of the world. You don't meet Jesus halfway. He doesn't set, set up a, a, front, a storefront for you to come in and purchase your faith. <laughs> He says, I've yeah. come and I've purchased you. I've sought you out. I've found you and I've given you the gift of life. So here's the mm -hmm. thing. Jesus saves people. Do you believe that, that Jesus saves people? Yes, I believe that. Do you understand that no one can believe in Jesus unless it has been gifted to them? Yes, I believe that. Do you understand what you just professed? You just profess to believe that Jesus saves sinners, which is one of you, because you cannot believe that Jesus saves sinners unless it's been gifted to you. And, and it feels so simple. Well, and yet it is. it's so complicated, you know. I mean, it is, it's incredibly deep, right? But it's, it's very simple at the same time. And right. I, I want to make one comment just by way of clarification, lest we be misunderstood. You are exactly right that we are never to find the ground of our assurance in, in our works or in our affections. And, and we do understand that the Reformed Confessions, the Westminster, and even the one that we would adhere to, the 1689, will talk about our good works and, and those kinds of things um, being evidence you know, of the fact that we're saved and all that, and we agree. We would, we would add that those things, like the Confessions say, bolster assurance, but they are not the ground of it. Like you can, you can be encouraged by fruit that you see in your life, but you best never place any ounce of your trust and hope in it. Like, and, and here's, here's something that sounds insane. Like, do not trust the fruit in your life. I don't care if it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Like th that sounds like blasphemy to people, but we trust Christ <laughs> alone. We trust right. Jesus alone, not any kind of fruit of of the work of Christ, right? So uh, that's a, something I want to say just uh, to continue to clarify and hone in here before we maybe spin out some of the, the implications of this for the lives of Christians. Implications of the gospel are not the gospel. Implications yeah, so yeah. of, right, implications of coming to faith in Christ are not faith in Christ. Like you cannot 
collapse those categories. We, we talk about that a lot on Theocast too, the category confusion problem or the collapsing of categories problem. If you do that, like there are, there are all kinds of things that flow out of the gospel. There are all kinds of things that are implications of the gospel. There are all kinds of things that we're told in terms of how we live in the church and the like. But if we ever fold those things into the gospel and weave it into the groundwork of our standing before God, we have destroyed the whole thing. And so that's why clarity is so critical here, because we, we hear phrases sometimes in the church just kind of lobbed around because they sound great. Like, we need to live the gospel. Hmm. Well, friends, I hate to disappoint you. You will never live the gospel. There is one human being who has lived the gospel, and his name is Jesus. And we trust him. We live, you can live under in the light gospel. of the gospel. I, you can yeah, live we live in right light of the gospel. It. We live under the gospel, right? We can even say we live in the reality of the gospel in that we are in Christ Jesus, who is the gospel. But we right. do not live the gospel and we don't do the gospel. So let's stop saying crazy, stupid things like that in the church. <laughs> and, we, and when yeah. we talk like that, we, we, tell, we make it sound like, well, if you're not doing all of these things, then maybe you're not legitimate. That's right. Yeah. And again, we, yeah. we could not be more clear that, yes, the transformation of life is real, and you cannot reverse engineer this thing. You cannot yeah. tell people that, oh, well, pursue these good works so that you know you're saved. Wrong. Trust right. Christ. Love the brothers and sisters. Live life in the church, and the Spirit of God will do what the Spirit of God does. And you will be able to see it, and others will be able to tell you the spirits at work in your life, and it's not because you have done something. That's right. I, anyway, I could go on. Jump yeah. in, John. No, uh, I'll, I'll, a couple of things. That's like, uh, just to, and this illustration may not work sometimes. Well, there's holes in every illustration, but. They all, they all fall someone, apart at some point. Right. Someone runs up and says, there's good news, right? They run up and they say, hey, the war is over. Well, are you going to now go live the war is over? <laughs> <laughs> right. But you live in light of it. It's like, oh, you live I'm in light of now. that reality. Exactly. Uh, so it's just kind of funny when someone says, and I'm, safe gospel, I'm like, live, live good news that I'm, I can live in light of it. I can't live it. I can't live. I can't yeah. live on the crosses. Anyways, like I said, there's, there can be some holes in it. Um, one of the, one of the, I think the next steps that I would like to go into is uh, bringing some clarity on some things that you just touched on, Justin. The implications sure. of the gospel. One of the things I, I I have just been so impressed by in Scripture. One, how we can read into the Bible whatever we want to read into the Bible. It's scary. Yeah, I've been doing it, yeah. even as a reformed believer. I I continue to do it, and it it frightens me often when I read Scripture and I go, I keep putting my own desires on top of the text. I need to, it's mm. so hard to just read it with an unbiased opinion, which everybody assumes they do, but I have learned not to do that Nobody as much does. as I possibly can. Right. And what I mean, I've learned not to is I read it going, I have my advice opinion no, on this, but I've got to, no, everybody, I've got to keep it open. everybody brings, everybody brings presuppositions to the text. Right. Uh, and a good example of understanding the life living when you're living a life by sola fide, I'm going to use Galatians three here, and I know that you had mentioned this earlier, so we'll just kind of spend some time in yeah, Galatians we'll, right we'll now. We'll kick some, yeah, sure. So Galatians, Paul, of course, is writing to some believers that are falling back under the law. In other words, they aren't living sola fide; they aren't living by faith alone. They and what's interesting is that Paul isn't calling into question their salvation. It's not an issue of their justification. They clearly have embraced justification by faith alone. But what Paul comes in and says, you have now added yourself back under the law when it comes to your standing before God, your ongoing standing, your ongoing, ongoing right. responsibility towards God and the response of the gospel and or what's required for righteousness right so in galatians he says you know we'll just start in verse one. Oh, foolish galatians and that is one of the most this is chapter harshest, three in verse one yeah yeah this is one of the this is a very harsh admonishment from paul 
he is so angry, not at their licentiousness. He's not angry. He, he is angry because they started to mess with the gospel. They started to mess with Solafita. I mean, right. Paul, he, he comes out with some pretty um, big blows. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. If anybody comes up to me and calls me a fool or calls me foolish, I'd never feel excited about that. It's not like, no. oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Appreciate th- appreciate someone I respect calling me a fool. And he says, you foolish people. Who and then then he adds to it. He says, Who bewitched you? Which to anybody who is Jewish, there are so many strong verses in the law about witchcraft and the danger of it and staying away from it. And so he says to them, Who has brought you into witchcraft? Who's bewitched you? Is it before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly yeah. portrayed as crucified? In other words, you saw you saw the gospel visibly in with your own eyes. And he says this, let me ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? How did, how did the spirit come in and do its work in you? And of course right. he says, are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? He says it twice. <laughs> he calls him foolish. He calls him foolish twice using the same exact word. And then he says, did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain, does, does he who supply the spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And then he goes on to explain yeah. how Abraham was considered exactly. Abraham, the hooligan, the hooligan yeah. Abraham was, des- was described as righteous because of his faith in God. Uh, this is why we are saying and why we've kind of been so, I think, heated and pointed is that in Scripture, when someone comes and adds to it an outside source that's pointing in on you, and you're no longer looking out, but you're looking in, you're working on your own perfection, and you think you can do it by the flesh, Paul comes in and gives a spiritual slap and says, yeah. that is the most foolish thing I've heard. Absolutely. As I'm listening to you talk, I'm about to go to a different chapter in Galatians. I'm struck by the fact that Galatians, every scholar agrees, is the oldest book in the New Testament. It's pretty cool. I mean, because it's it is definitely the book in the New Testament that has the sharpest elbows, to use that that kind of terminology. Some of the harshest language in all of the New Testament is found in Galatians, and it's not over licentious living. It's over the gospel itself and the nature of justification and sanctification and life in Christ. So Galatians chapter five begins this way, verse one, Paul says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Well, what's he talking about? He's, again, he's talking about the law and he's talking about requirements that are being added to faith in Christ in terms of if you are going to be righteous, you need Jesus plus this stuff. If you're going to really stand before God forever and live this life in the church the way you should, all these things are required. And he says this, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, you could insert there any other work, circumcision or any other work of the law, Christ will be of no advantage to you. Of no advantage, he says. Then he goes on, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. It's all or nothing. You either will be saved by your works or you are saved by Christ's works. There is no middle ground. And then he says, you are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. That Those words are incredibly sharp and wow. pointed yeah. where he is making very, very strong and sharp distinctions between our works and our merit in any way versus you know, Christ and faith in him. And so like you, you and I have already reiterated, I think people have to understand that the book of Galatians, he's not writing to people who had abandoned faith in Jesus you know, for their justification. He is writing to people who are trying to add back in little bits of things and works that are required. And I can't help but think that this sounds so much like our current context, John, where That's right. we talk about this a lot on Theocast, where the, the gospel in terms of justification by faith in Christ alone is preached in a lot of places in our land, but it's immediately qualified. It's immediately, you know, comes in, people immediately come in with this, yeah, but, you know, we can't even let the good news of, of Jesus and the sufficiency of his work and the grace of God rest on people for five seconds before we come in and tell them, 
yeah, but don't misunderstand this. Here are all the things that you need to be doing if you're legit. There are reasons why we talk like that because the American church is its own unique animal. And there's a history that, that feeds into that narrative. But my goodness, man, we, we have to defend the, the clarity of the gospel in order to preserve you know, the truth of it, the power of it. And it robs people. This is where I think we're going to go in a moment. There is no possibility for rest or peace or joy or freedom if we have to do stuff and have to do stuff adequately well in order to, to have peace with God. Yeah, I, I would say a lot of the gospel end up, ends up getting adjusted or <laughs> changed because or people qualified. are responding. Yeah, they're changing to, they're, they're responding to the culture. And in this case, the Christian culture. So yeah, we get this question, well, what do you guys, I understand that you guys believe in Sola Fide, but what do you do with a nominal Christian? Which, and that's you know, the history I'm say, talking about. Mm-hmm. And they'll even Revivalism say, well, you know, Jesus, everything. yeah, Jesus speaks to the lukewarm Christian and he spews them out of his mouth. See, God hates nominal Christians and people are nominal because they aren't taking progressive sanctification or they aren't taking obedience serious. And so you emphasize this too much and people are going to continue in nominalism. They're going to continue being lukewarm. They're going to continue being distant from the church or distant from the things of God. And I would say the exact opposite. People are so tired by the law and so beat down by it that it's just easier to not do whatever it is that you say they should do. And I would say a lot of times, I don't think Christians are nominal. I just think they're not doing it your way and now you're upset. They don't, they don't, they don't live the Christian life like you think they should live. And I, I am with those people. I'll walk away from that type of Christianity because that is not what I've been called to. I've not been called to live by your standards or by your laws or by your denominational requirements. I have been drawn into the church. I'm not saying I leave the church. Please don't get me wrong. But what people hear when we emphasize faith alone is that they're saying, well, you guys just want to live however you want. That's what that's what you're saying, and <laughs> let, let me uh, let me go to a second part that's adding on to this responding to culture. I too am responding to culture, but I'm responding to that culture. I don't believe that God governs His children by fear and guilt. He governs them by love. Well, how do I know this? Because Jesus flat out says, "Abide in my love." He does not say, "Live in fear of." Sure. judgment. He does not, not to the believer. There's no condemnation for those who are we, in Christ you, Jesus. You've been given a spirit of adoption, not a spirit of slavery and fear. That's right. We love. Yeah. Why do we love? Because we're afraid if we don't, we'll be thumped on the head. No, we love because he first loved us. Yeah. We love because it's a response to the nature and, that's been given to us by faith. And when, when strong language of warning is used in the New Testament. It's always in cases of hard-hearted, high-handed, unrepentant sin. It's not people who are struggling, you know, to, oh my gosh, like I I found myself caught in sin again. It's not to those people. The language of the New Testament to those believers is gentle and and compassionate and tender, you know, and and we're exhorted to be patient with each other and love each other in those contexts. The, The strong language is for a different kind of scenario. And my thoughts, John, on nominalism, just very quickly, it's very interesting to me that in our evangelical moment, we think that the way to combat nominalism, which is, again, Christianity in name only, it's false profession. Now, revivalism and all those kinds of things and decisionism and conversionism, we don't, need, we don't have time to define all those isms. Basically, it's this, this kind of movement and methods that are associated with revival in the American church that produce all kinds of emotional responses, you know, and it's, it's not good, right? We, we could talk about it some other time. Um, but we think in evangelicalism today that the way to combat nominal Christianity is to combat it with law. We come in... And we tell people, okay, well, you think you're a Christian. Let me, let me give you all of this stuff to do, and then you stack yourself up and see how you're doing. Well, biblically speaking, the way that you combat nominalism is not with law. It's with union with Christ and clarity on the gospel. 
That's what Paul does. And what, and what do you mean by that? When you say union with Christ, that might be a new phrase for people. Yeah, thank you. So it, it's read Romans 6 would be the chapter in, in Scripture to, to look at on this, this reality of being united to Jesus. And even John 15, you know, as well, where Jesus in his own words will talk about abiding 17, in him. man. Woo. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are great sections to, to look at there. But union with Christ means that by faith, I mean, so when we're, this is very relevant for our conversation today on sola fide. The reason that we are, that we are saved by faith alone is that by faith, by the means of faith, we are united to Jesus and we are referred to in the New Testament, Christians are more than any other term, we are referred to as being in Christ. So by faith, we are in Christ, we're united to him. And what that means is that our sin was placed upon him and he bore that and paid the penalty for it. But then everything that is his is now ours. His righteousness, his merit, you know, his death, we died vicariously. His glorious inheritance will be ours. We will be co-heirs with him. And so all of his holiness and everything is now ours by faith. And so that's how Paul responds to this idea that, well, should we just live however we want? Paul says, may it never be so. He doesn't then pound people with law. He says, you need to know who you are. You need to realize that you've been united to Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. And now you're in him. You're not like you used to be, you know, and you, you're, there's something fundamentally different about you. And, and he goes on to talk about the implications of that new identity. And so that's how we combat nominal Christianity is by heralding Jesus and his sufficiency and his work and our union with him, right? And then, you know, we give people, we give people Christ and we watch their lives change. We continue to point them away from themselves to Christ. And it's amazing in the context of the church. Now, you can't just do this by yourself on the mountaintop somewhere. You're living life in the context of the church. You're beholding Jesus every Sunday in the word. You're coming to receive Christ by faith in the table. You're singing of Christ. You're praying to the Father in Jesus' name. You're benefiting from the fellowship of the saints and all the rest. And as we behold Christ, 2 Corinthians 3.18, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. That's right. It's a very, it's it's a supernatural thing and God does it. And you can't, you just cannot do this with human engineering and methods. It will not work. No, no. Well, uh, I have several things that I want to add to that, and we're gonna we're gonna head over to our membership podcast right now. And I know Justin is just now Man. getting warmed up. <laughs> well, no, it's cool. I know we were gonna try to help people understand why we, you know, how this matters for the Christian life. I think that's probably clear. We're gonna talk more about that. I know in the members' time, and hopefully, yeah. it's clear too why we guard this the way we do, and why we seek to clarify yeah. it the way we do because it's the heart of the gospel. And we we just right. anytime you add clutter on top of the gospel, it harms people. Well, it does. Uh, It removes hope because our performance is never the static increase. Our performance wavers. Uh, You just need to read the entire Bible to understand that the human life is not consistent. And if our hope is in our performance, then then yeah, our joy, if our hope is based upon our affections for Christ, or if our joy is based upon our performance, we won't have joy. Uh, no, as a matter right. of fact, James, James says, count all joy when you fall into various trials because the trials do what to you? It causes you to examine your faith, to test your faith. Sure. It's, it's because the trials expose just how weak and frail you are. And I would also say that your assurance is bolstered because you're reminded of the object that's outside of yourself. That's right. I would say, uh, as an illustration, as we lead into the members podcast, if you feel, and Justin and I are both, uh, we both grew up playing sports and we love sports. If you've ever been on a team that doesn't have faith in itself, meaning that it doesn't have faith in its ability to accomplish something, it actually affects the performance of the athlete to where they may not put sure. in as much effort and they're going to probably not take it as serious because they don't believe in the capacity of the team. And so it's kind of like, well, let's just go get this over with. And this happens to Christians. The moment that your faith is shifted onto an object that is just not as <laughs> not even close to being efficient. This is where I would say nominalism or people get trapped in sin they, because their hope is is has been shaken. So in the members podcast, I think we're going to talk about how looking at the love of Christ for us, which is mm-hmm. the gospel, 
and understanding God's love for us is what motivates us to then understand this can happen because I'm trusting in something that's outside of myself. And that's, I would say the second right. thing, the second part I would love to talk about in our in the membership podcast is how actually every entrapment into sin is forgetting the very command to abide in God. And when God says, when you obey me, you abide in my love, what does he mean by obey there? We think of Christian performance and disciplines. He doesn't mean that. He clarifies it in the next two verses in John 15, which is to love one another. So we'll we'll talk about how sola fide affects the way in which we love one another in the membership podcast. Yeah. Any other final thoughts before we jump over there? Just Just a couple of parting shots. It is impossible, just to be crystal clear, it's impossible to ever have rest or peace or joy or freedom or anything like that. If you are trusting in anything that in any measure has anything whatsoever to do with you. I just, I want to be as clear about this as I can be. If it's even a 10th of a percent, if we're going to try to quantify it, but you're looking to your obedience or performance, or you're looking even to your feelings about Jesus, or if you're even looking to the strength and quality of your own faith, it will absolutely fail and you will never have peace with God. The only way to have peace with God, and we all seek it, we all yearn for it, we all need it, is to look completely away from ourselves and only to Christ. If people ask me, so this is, I'm just going to kind of close with this, and I'm not trying to upset anybody or offend anyone. Um, if people were to ask me, how do you know? So we're, we're reformed, and so we believe that God you know, has, has chosen his people, like he has elected people unto salvation. If somebody were to ask me, how do you know if you're elect? My answer to that question is, is very simple. It's one word, and that's Christ. So I'm, is faith a piece of this? Yes. Like, is my faith in Christ a factor in this in terms of, yes, I'm trusting him. Of course, that's true. But if, if somebody asks me, Justin, how do you know? How do you know that you're safe? How do you know you're going to be with God? My answer is Christ, because he has done everything necessary. And, and I am. I'm looking, I'm looking to him. And that's, that is the only place to stand. Anything else is really sinking sand. Jesus is the only solid rock. And we could talk about that for a long time. We have more to say. We're headed to the members podcast now. So I guess people can check us out over there, John. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. If you want to get a 14-day free trial, you can listen to all all of our episodes. I don't know if you could do that in 14 days. It's a lot of them. It's like 300 plus episodes. Anyways, the it's a uh, it's available if you want to go and continue this conversation. It's just a our membership is the way in which we help support our ministry and pay for all of the resources that we put out there each and every week. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.